0: You're now listening to Free the Tongue Podcast, brought to you by English Language Development Services, the podcast for non-standard, non-native English speakers in multicultural and international workplaces. I'm your host, T. Let's get into it. Hello, my beautiful people, and welcome to episode five for educators who've considered another profession when altruism is not enough. Part two. So, if you've been following me for around for some time, then you may be familiar with part one, in which I wrote a blog post and I talk about, how America is a society of meritocracy. And what that looks like for job positions is that if we deem a job valuable, especially if there's a shortage, then we throw money at those job positions. You can find high salaries for those job positions. For example, the tech job sector. And you can find a bunch of different um, starting salaries for entry-level programming programmers. The one I used was from ZipRecruiter, which boasted a salary of $53,000 a year for entry-level programmers. And... With salaries like this, it motivated a nation of talented individuals to start teaching themselves how to program, and you could find all over Medium and blogs, all over the place, Facebook, stories of self-taught programmers that boasted of being hired after only five months of training with huge financial payoffs. And it was this, this that sparked a national craze that led to a career field that once experienced a shortage to explode with new potential candidates. Um, so you might be wondering, how do I know all of this? Well, because I was one of them. I was working as a teacher while teaching myself how to program with no intention of staying in the teaching profession at that time. Um, And I'm going to just just for your convenience, I'm just going to tell you the bullet points of why and why I was uh, considering leaving the teaching profession. And I'm going to be really honest with you. One, I was young, ambitious, and saw no way to reach self-fulfillment in education. Two, I'm financially independent, meaning I can't expect my parents or extended family members to give me any financial support ever. Three, I have a desire not to have any debt. Think student loans. Or I wanted more financial autonomy. Think being able to fund my own startup. Not now. I mean, start stuff. fund my own startup now. Not in twenty years. Okay. Um. And I wrote this article two years ago, and I did start my company. At that time, my company had been one year, one year old when I wrote this article initially. So, you know, I felt bad about putting it out there, my reasons for wanting to leave the teaching profession, because I I really do love what I do, and I love the work that I do, but I view that as a lingering system of A symptom of PTSD developed after going to job interviews with administrators who made it clear that there would be very little room for salary negotiations with comments made such as, well, you know teachers aren't being paid a lot because they don't work for money. They do the work for the kids. Okay, insert meme of... You know, that guy who's just, like, blinking like, what? You guys remember that word, wet? W-H-E-T. That was popular in, like, 2010, I think. Everyone wasn't saying what. They were saying wet. Just, and when you said it like that, it just, like, stressed the absurdity of a situation. Just, like, don't tell me I'm working for free because of my passion. Don't exploit me like that. Yes, I love teaching. I love kids. Don't exploit me. Don't exploit me because I will quit. <laughs> I don't care. I will, if I'm gonna teach for free, I don't need to be under you to do it. Okay? Okay. So, you know, after having those experiences, it left me questioning Does a desire to have a salary that reflects the specialized skill set and expertise necessary to do my job as a teacher make me less of a teacher? you know and and this was a, a stark contrast from the interviews that I went on for sales positions at mostly logistic companies. Um, when I were going when I was going on those uh, interviews, I was expected to talk about money as if it ruled my world. But the reason I didn't do so well on those job interviews was because I was really uncomfortable talking like that and because money doesn't rule my world. However, quality of life does, and that does require money. So let's talk about this rat race that we're all in. You know, I've been saying for two years now from the first time that I published the part one of this blog post that the dark days are over. Let's sit with that for a second or two. Yes, the dark days are over. We live in a day and age in which the employee is more empowered than ever. It's no wonder That millennials are driving this new era of workforce wherein freelancers are predicted to become the U.S. workforce majority within a decade with nearly 50% of millennial workers already freelancing. And this is according to a study done by the freelancing community and Upwork. I believe it because I see it. It's all over Twitter, TikTok, um, Instagram, Facebook. Everybody has a freelancing business these days. And I give my money where I can and where I want to because I support this economy. Because I don't want a boss and I support other people who don't want a boss. You don't need a boss to do your job well, you know. And it's more sustainable. It, it just is. I'm tired of having one choice, the one big corporation that does everything. No, I want variety. Um, I want different options. I want to give someone else the chance to eat. So let me let me break it out, break it down for you again in a listicle because I just love doing those because I'm a millennial. Actually, I love doing it because it's just a quick, easy way to condense information. So, why are millennials turning to self-employment instead of turning to the job security of a corporate career? Well, number one, the jig is up. We don't believe in job security anymore. We know that the corporations don't love us and that our administrations will cut the cord on us if need be. We saw it happen to our grandparents. And our parents, and I'm not gonna lie, I've had it happen. Okay, I've had uh, I've been laid off of a job in corporate America. Number two, and I can't stress this enough: we want work-life balance. I'm sorry, Boomers and Gen Xers. We millennials seek out the jobs that align most with our ideals and passions. We strongly believe in self-care. That means good luck trying to convince a millennial to work overtime without getting paid with stories of that one legendary employee nobody actually knows the name of that clocked out when their shift was over, but continued to work anyways for going overtime pay to make their employer happy and to get the job done. Excuse me while I put on my clown mask, okay? Just just give me a second while I put on my clown mask because that person was a clown, okay? No, no, not figuratively, literally a clown. That is the funniest joke I have ever heard. So funny, I forgot to laugh. Now I'm really dating myself. And just so you guys know, that's a, that story that I just told you about that clown employee who clocked out to forego overtime, yeah, that was a real story told to me by one of my former bosses in the corporate world so that I would do the same. Heh <laughs> never happened. Okay? So, so let's bring this back to teaching. How does How does this affect the teaching job sector? Well... We know there's a teacher shortage. But the leaders of our society have been unwilling to do the one thing that will quickly eliminate the teacher shortage and attract talent. Make teachers' salaries competitive again. Which begs the question, does American society even care about educating their people? Or, 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 is education reserved only for those who can afford it? Because right now, unless a student is going to school in a district where the zip codes bring in a high tax bracket, chances are that student is being taught in a school where there may not even be certified teachers, or in some cases, being taught by other students like what? What is happening in Detroit? Yes, um, if you don't know, the students of Detroit sued the state of Michigan for not per, uh, for their civil rights of learning how to read. Mhm. Mhm. So, what's the point of all this? Well, the point I'm trying to make is that before you can be that tech guru or that businessman or that doctor or lawyer that is commanding these high salaries, you first have to be a student that completes the K through 12 grade levels. And if American society valued education, then the value will be reflected in the salaries of teachers. The people who are helping the children of the future unlock their hidden potential, discover their passions, and inspiring them to become who they choose to be. While it's true teachers possess a lot of altruistic values, let's be real, we aren't monks or priests or any other line of work that signed up to take a vow of poverty. We're just regular people who happen to love what it is we do. We too have lives, hobbies, interests, and other things beyond our work. (sighs) So two years later, I'm still here and I'm still teaching. Why? Well, what eventually helped me make up my mind to stay in the teaching profession was discovering that the first woman and the first person of color to win the Democratic president nomination it happened to be a black woman named Shirley Chisholm. Shirley Chisholm was also a teacher. Eventually the analyzation of data, the scientific experiments conducted to enhance students learning and engagement, the fight for education equity, and the socialization process of American students, plus a love for children, helped solidify my passion for teaching, which influenced me to stay in the profession. That and the belief that I could be like Shirley Chisholm, who once said, I want to be remembered as a woman who dared to be a catalyst of change. So here I am, daring to speak openly and candidly to say I love teaching, I do, I love it. I feel that I was born to teach, but I'm also aware that the classroom isn't the only place and space to teach. And without a salary that allows me to maintain a balanced life that res- reflects respect for the specialized skill set required to teach, I can't guarantee that I'll stay in the profession forever either, despite my passion for the job. And make sure that you go to my website, www.el development services.com and subscribe to my newsletter. I'm really trying to gain a community of like-minded people. I know you're out there, I see you guys doing work. Let's come together and let's make changes in our district that support our linguistically and culturally diverse students. And just make sure that we are also being compensated for all the work that we do because we too deserve it. Just because we are altruistic does not mean we are we have to be penniless or any less deserving of our ability, our income so that we can live, we can survive so we can buy houses because the same things that we're, so we can experience the same success that we're trying to set our students up for because once they graduate for school, guess where they're going to go? Into the workforce. So we also need to be making sure that the workforce is that safe environment in place that we install the ideals for them to believe in that when they actually get to the workplace that they are actually experiencing that. And we do that by standing up for ourselves. So make sure you subscribe to my newsletter. Again, just click the link in my bio and it'll take you right to my website. All right, guys, I hope you are having a lovely day. Remember, be productive, not busy. Take a break when you need it and don't let anyone shame you of otherwise. Bye. All right, folks, that's all for this episode. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast brought to you by English Language Development Services, a podcast for teachers by teachers.